everybody. I am Dr. Chad Hawk, and this is Matt Dowd. We are here together. We are Renegade Atlas, charting a new path for your life. And we're bringing you special content that we've never delivered before. This particular episode and the next few following are created to be wealthy. It's a whole new series we're going to be doing. And in a, a few weeks, we'll be doing a whole series on created to be healthy. So it's a whole series. Matt, why don't you jump off and just take <laughs> us where we're going to go on this one? Wow. Yeah. I'm excited about this because personal finance has always been a passion of mine. Um, and I even was in the industry, well, several different industries around finance, mortgage, yeah, you were taxes, um, insurance, investments. Yeah. So, uh, and outside of that, I've just done a lot of reading and studying about what it looks like to manage your money in the world. And I've had my viewpoint on this shifted <laughs> several times, you know, over the past 20 years or so. Um, but it's something I just think is an, a really important topic. Uh, it's, it's something everybody wrestles with. And it's something I just really enjoy talking about and helping people think through. So I'm excited to just kind of bring my perspective and then also the perspective of some others that we're going to be interviewing over the next few weeks um, who've had their own journey, you know, and get some perspective from other people as well. Awesome. So that's what we're going to be doing. And then hopefully it's all going to lead to us creating some content actually that'll be practical steps onto how to apply what we've been talking about into real life. Yeah, taking it and making yeah. it something that can be a program that a person can actually work through. Yeah, something they can follow, exactly. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I thought I would give a little bit of the premise of where I'm coming from with this. Um, I've always thought about money differently. I grew up the son of a business owner, so I saw my dad working and working really hard, but also having freedom and flexibility that a lot of other people didn't have, you know, a lot of parents, my friend's parents didn't have, um, because he was a business owner. He had people working for him. Um, and he would come home every night, like dinner time conversation was usually like some kind of problem or challenge that he encountered during the day. And he would ask us like, how would you solve this problem? Oh, you know, I had wow. a, I had a customer complaining about this and the manager or the employee and there, you know, this was the issue. And like, what do you think? What would you do? You know, just to get us thinking about it and, so I kind of, that was my upbringing, you know, was having that in my mind, thinking about things that way. And then seeing him um, able to move freely, especially once the business got established, you know, he was able to come and go. And I didn't think about it this way exactly when I was younger, but we still had income, even if he didn't show up to work that day because he was, you know, at a meeting with other business owners, learning how to run his business better. Or, you know, if we were on a vacation or, or whatever. So it's just a, a really, I'm really grateful for the model that I got growing up, you know, of how things can be. Because that isn't the way most people live their life. Right, right. And it's interesting because even though <laughs> that was my experience, I still left, you know, went to college and went out into the workforce to find my own way. And over the, over the years, realized that I still had a fear about money. Actually, I still had a pretty deeply ingrained sense of um, uncertainty uh, and like a need to prove myself through financial success. Because so, that's what our whole country is built on. Yeah. I mean, it's our culture. And my dad had been really successful. So I think in a lot of ways I wanted to emulate him sure, in that, you know. Sure. Um, but also, yeah, just, you know, status and and what people think of me. I had that a lot wrapped up in um, how I thought I was doing financially, right? And so that's, oh man, that's that's been really interesting to kind of dig into that and, un, and unwrap it. I can't wait to hear your story about that <laughs> mindset and how, it, how pervasive it is and what the solutions to it are. Right, yeah. Cool, man, the solution, you know, we're gonna, the other thing we're gonna be talking about in this series is the kingdom of God and how that, disrupts all of our sort of common knowledge and how it changes our perspective. Um, and that's kind of the last thing that got interjected into my perspective on all of this. I grew up, you know, a believer and in church and stuff, but I still, I think I thought of money and business and work and all that kind of stuff in a sort of its own silo, 
and didn't have a great understanding of what God actually says about all of that. So that's been something I've been digging into more recently. And ultimately, my goal is to give sort of a, I don't know, a synopsis or some conclusions or some ways to think about things that involve both practical money management and understanding how that works and faith and how God operates in the world and how he views money and resources. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where we're going. Um, I think everyone can relate to fear about money. Sure. You know, um, and in my, in my personal journey, I think I just kind of want to go here for a minute. You know, I had a lot of stress, especially at certain times about finances and felt like I wasn't doing it well enough. Like I should have been more successful at us, you know, by I'm 30 years old at the time and I'm thinking I should be further along than I am. Right. And I think a lot of people have those kind of feelings. Um, or, you know, we'd get in a, like a sort of stressful situation where we just have a lot of expenses, you know, house payment and all this stuff. And man, it would stress me out and affect all the areas of my life. You know, it affect my demeanor. It was kind of this underlying pressure that was always there. But what was interesting to me, that was, you know, like that particular instance when I'm 30 years old, that's over 10 years ago now. Looking back on those types of situations, I was never really in that dire of a situation. Like I, I've never been, you know, close to being out on the street or like missing a meal even. Like that's never actually been the case. But you wouldn't have been able to know that by my stress level or my level of fear and anxiety had I admitted it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like so, there was a real stress there, but there wasn't a real danger. So what you're saying is you're allowing yourself to experience the same type of stress level that somebody who's on the verge of being homeless yep. is living under. I mean, and, from yeah, not having been in that, that situation, yeah, I think something similar. Like I was really letting the fear and stress about money be the guiding force in my life at times. And that was just so destructive. So what happens when to a person when they feel that way? It's interesting. My business partner sent me a text the other day saying from a quote from somebody that he listens to saying that when I have fear about money, then I make bad short-term decisions that ultimately caused me to be in a worse financial position. <laughs> yeah. So it's actually the fear that is the problem more than the money itself. Wow. And I know we've talked about that topic before. Yes, we right? have. In, 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 this, in the podcast, but um, that was the big thing. So one thing that helped me a bunch recently in the last couple of years was one of um, my favorite teacher podcaster guys. <laughs> Well, Jamie Winship, who you know a lot about, mm -hmm. I was listening to him and here's a guy who he and his wife have been missionaries all around the world and done a bunch of incredible stuff and they've never like sought after money or wealth, but to know them, you wouldn't think of them as like poor or anything either. They just like, you, you know, don't really think about it, but he was telling a story about um, how someone was asking him how he moves so freely around the world and does the things that he's called to do and invited to do, um, because you know, without having a whole bunch of wealth or resources. And he, his answer was the thing that stuck with me. He's like, well, I just feel like I have all the money that I need for whatever God wants me to do whenever God wants me to do it. That is faith with legs. Yeah, yeah. And, and so as I was going through this process of um, God kind of revealing to me this dependence I had on money and this fear that I had and this image that, you know, my self-image was kind of wrapped up in it, all that kind of stuff, that little, that little you know, phrase became my mantra. Whenever this feeling of fear would rise up in me about money or how I was doing financially or how successful or not I felt like I was at the moment. Okay. So it wasn't, again, it wasn't like I was actually close to being bankrupt or out on the street or any of that kind of dire stuff that people really do go through. But I was, had these feelings sometimes like, 
like maybe it was like that, you know, even though it yeah, wasn't. Right. Whenever, and so as I was going through this process, whenever those feelings would rise up, I committed to just remind myself of that truth, right? And that truth is based in biblical, like Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom and everything else will be added to you. Or my God will supply all your needs according to his riches, riches, not your riches, you know? And he also says needs, not wants. But that's a side topic. Okay, but so this putting actively putting my faith in the promises that God makes to us through his word, through his, you know, through what he says to me directly, through what we read, what we know is true of him. Like this was um, like a really important process for me to go to, go through to get free of this fear. Now, it's not that the fear never pops up anymore. It sometimes still does, but it doesn't, it's not this unknown thing that guides my life the way that it used to, like an unnamed thing. Does that make sense? Makes complete yeah. and total sense. So when we have this unnamed fear, and I think a lot of people are, if they investigate a little bit, might find that they're in the situation. Like, what do we believe about money and provision and our resources that may actually be false, but that's causing us to operate in fear and then make bad decisions or short-term decisions or just have a negative outlook, you know, or um, like a negative emotional state sort of continuously because of this fear and this pressure. Do you, and I'm asking because I just, I can come up with some ideas in my head, but maybe you actually know, what are some of those common ideas that people have that are the fear, the source of the fear? Mm. I mean, so one that I think is that, that provision is up to us, like that we are actually, you know, so the whole fall in the Garden of Eden and then the curse, I think it gets misinterpreted to that the curse was on us to have to go out and provide it does say that we're going to have to go work and it's going to be hard work to, you know, to get what we need, but it still throughout the Bible, um, God still shows up and he's always, his message consistently is that he is the provider, right? In his kingdom, at least under his way of operating, he will provide. And if we follow his guidelines and seek after him, then he will continue to provide. If we go our own way and separate from him, then maybe he won't, (laughs) or maybe it won't seem like he is. And then we feel like it all lands on us. And then we feel that stress. And then we have to, you know, then we're working out of fear rather than working out of joy. Right. And working for a purpose, we're working to pay the bills to, to make ends meet. So provider is one thing. Mm-hmm. Is there another belief that a person has that causes this fear? I mean, well, that that they're alone in it. And maybe okay. that's kind of the same thing, I okay. guess. You know, that that it all falls back onto me to take yeah. care of it. And if I don't do it, who's going to do it? Um, Shouldering all the responsibilities for everything. Right. Right. I don't know. What What do you, do you have other thoughts? No, I think that, be? that kind of distills it down to one of the biggest ones because mm-hmm. for me in my life, I know I felt that. I know I have gone through periods where I've been so worried, concerned, stressed Yeah. to the, I mean, it's, there's been days when I just don't remember anything else because I was so obsessed about that thought. Yeah. And it was because I was carrying the burden for all of it. I didn't place it on the Lord. Right. I did it. Right. Right. Totally. I think that one's very common. Okay. I think another one is the idea of control. So I know for me, I, I always wanted to have control of everything mm-hmm. <laughs> really. Yeah. You know, and a big change um, for me happened when I started to surrender things, you know, to a higher power who not only knows better, but has my best interests in mind. So surrendering is actually the logical best move because he can lead me into better things and he's going to lead me. He wants to, right? Because he's good and he loves me. 
So there's a fear, there was a big fear of surrendering control. And that one still pops up too. I mean, it's our human nature to want to, you know, to see what's right in front of us. Right. And to react to that and to forget about faith and the big picture and who God is and what he's doing and see what we perceive as this immediate deficiency or a need and just react and say, I got to, I got to fix this. I got to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. You know, I got to take care of that. And there's one other thing which we can go into in the next segment. Okay. Um, What's that? So there was being alone control. And then there's the idea of status and like what other people are going to think of me, you know, like, if I'm not being successful, then I don't know, you know, that's good. Yeah. I don't measure up. Yeah. Keeping up with, I don't know if like keeping up with the Joneses, that's part of it. Or just feeling like, what are people going to think of me if I'm, yeah. Or, you know, there's kind of lots of ways that one plays out. This is part two of Created to be Wealthy that Matt is providing for you guys. It's great content. Matt, we just left off with some content about what are the things that cause us to feel insignificant or to stress and worry about finances and money. Mm-hmm. And you want to continue that a bit. So why don't you take it from here? Yeah, let's let's keep going. So just to recap briefly, um, fear about money comes from feeling like we're alone, like it's all up to us. <laughs> It can come from feeling like we need to have control in our lives, right? It can come from worrying about our status socially with other people, like what are other people going to think? And then the one that you just mentioned to me in in between time here was, which I think is huge, <laughs> is how our view of our financial success affects our view of ourselves, like our identity and self-worth. I think that a lot of us, I think that I was still am sometimes, but I was definitely one of these people that had my personal value directly tied to how I felt like I was doing financially. Yeah. And that was just, it was like just very destructive in my life. Because it's never, back en- at never it. enough. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not a good place to get identity because it's, it's not a true measure of it for one thing. And it can, you know, it can come and go so fast. Um, our perspective can get so warped on it, right? Because like we can be here in America feeling like we're kind of struggling and we're still wealthier than 97% of the rest of the world or whatever the number is, right. you know, but right. it, most people, mo- most Americans, and I say this with a bit of, you know, a grain of salt or whatever, because I know there is poverty here, like real poverty. Yeah, there is. Um but still, I think for the most part, most Americans, even at the middle to lower end of the socioeconomic spectrum, have a much more luxurious and wealthy lifestyle than most of the rest of the world, which you can probably speak to having traveled quite a bit to some third world countries. And Well, yeah, what's absolutely. Your... What What's interesting to me, though, is as you're talking about this, I was actually reflecting on like my time in Africa and how so much of poverty um in the world is is because of mindset is a mindset yeah and yeah you know i know a lot of people a lot of people like thousands of people who work enough to earn enough money to have to eat for two days Mm -hmm. and then they don't work Mm. until they run out of money and then Mm. they work again to eat for two days and then they run out of work that's really interesting and it's like why don't you work more and they're like well why would i well, because so you could have some money to put aside or something. They're like, uh, they just no. don't even they think don't, about that. No, the whole idea of of long term uh, wealth, yeah, or like retiring. Uh, or yeah, that's that kind that's of stuff. completely just devoid from their life, like a foreign concept. Yeah, and and that that I think is part of the poverty mindset that's present in third world countries. I don't know. I'm not going to comment hmm. here on the United in the United States because mm-hmm. I think there's many factors that go into that. But uh, internationally, I see there is, I mean, the abject poverty where people have absolutely nothing and they're begging for the next thing. Mm -hmm. Just sustaining life for them is a daily hour by hour venture. Then there's the poor, 
Okay. I'm not talking about the person who has nothing and they can't eat. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about the people who actually have some sort of structure to live in and they're poor. They don't have much and they may go a day or two every now and again without food. But a lot of that is mindset. Hmm. And we Americans have such a foreign concept of uh, the world doesn't understand our concept of money and how we think we can make something and achieve because they Mm. don't have that. Oh, sure. Yeah. That they can make something or they can achieve. And that's, in a sense, a poverty mindset. I'm not saying ours is great. Yeah. But ours, our mindset at least challenges us to do something different. Yeah, like to know that there's something more. Yeah. But it's interesting, though, because, and this is one of the things that shifted for me in starting to dig into what the kingdom of God has to say about money, is that the idea of where does joy and peace come from? Yeah. It's pretty clearly not money because you have a lot of wealthy people here who, who, are, who just are just miserable, yeah, right? Completely. And it like you just start to look around um, and you can see it. And so I would imagine that conversely, you have some pretty dirt poor people around the world who are full of joy. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So it's not a determining factor, but you also have, you know, poor people or destitute people who are miserable because they're suffering. Yes. You know, just like you have wealthy people who are super happy because they're, you know, because they have a great life and maybe they have a different perspective on it. Maybe they have lots of money and lots of things, but their self-worth and their faith, um, their hope isn't all tied up in that stuff potentially. Right. Right. You know, so they're able to have wealth and enjoy it and not be miserable because that's not where they put their trust ultimately. Yeah. I think the thing is for this world, um, we can all struggle no matter where our circumstances are. It's about how we handle our circumstances. I really right. think that's what you're getting at. Yeah. That's one of the big questions of this series that we're going to be addressing, especially with one of the interviews that I have lined up, is this question of what is wealth then? So we're calling this series Created to be Wealthy. And I don't want anybody to think that it's about this, like, how to get rich or you know, quote unquote, like American rich, (laughs) right? you know what I mean? You don't have to live like the Kardashians. No, it's not about that, but it is a question worth asking, like what is wealth actually, what is worth pursuing, you know, and how does money fit into that, so to speak, because they're not one and the same thing. Um, Yeah, so that'll be something that's going to be fun to explore as we go along. Um, let's see here. Okay. So I think, um, you're talking about mindset and I was referring to my mindset in the previous episode and how it was, um, you know, how I was kind of locked down by this, my perception of my financial success and my self image was tied up in that. Um, And so when I came here to Kansas City, I came without a job lined up. I had a business back in Portland that I'm still part of. But at that time, I was not needing to have a super active role in it. This is kind of a few hours a week. So I was pretty open to whatever could happen, right? Like I could, could do my own thing or I could find a job or whatever. And I wanted to be open to what God was asking me to do, right? So when I first got here, (laughs) I got, you know, it was networking and just, you know, for lots of reasons, just to get to know people and get plugged in in town. And I got introduced to someone who connected me with a job opportunity that was kind of in the line, like along the lines of work I had done in the past. And it seemed like a great fit, you know, and it was a way to make some money and, and um, so without a lot of thought or prayer or anything, I just kind of, I felt like it was being presented to me and I pursued it and got hired and went through training. It's like three weeks of getting ramped up and then came back to my first day in the office on the job. Had a good day, kind of a normal first day. And then I went to the guys group I was meeting with at the time. Sure. Where we would do listening prayer. You know, that was kind of one of our big things. And I remember we kicked off the meeting that night with just asking God to say to us whatever he wanted to say. (laughs) And the thing that hit my mind that I could not shake was this idea that 
this job that I just took and just got excited about and trained for was not the reason that he brought me here. <laughs> He's like, this is not what I brought you here for. But you did it all on your own. Yeah. And I was like, I started laughing. I was like, great. You know, like perfect. <laughs> and it wasn't like in a condemning way. It wasn't a condemning voice. I didn't feel like I had really screwed up or like really disobeyed God or anything like that. It was just like, he was just like, you know, this is not what I really brought you here for. It was an awareness. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. He didn't say like quit tomorrow or anything like that. So I worked there for a while. And then a time came where it became evident that it was time to, to move on. So I did, and I felt like I had a path. Um, but the next, you know, the next several months were this journey for me of like trying different things and kind of trying to sort out what I thought I was um, supposed to be doing, you know. And again, I what I realized was in this time, God was really trying to free me from this dependency on having to provide for myself and having to get my status from my job title or what I could tell people that I do for a living. And I found that I had all this identity wrapped up in that. And so that's where that, you know, that, um, that little mantra, I have all the money I need for whatever God wants me to do whenever God wants me to do it. That really came into play. Um, and around the same time, I also had another kind of a daydream vision, I guess you would call it. Well, I wasn't sleeping at night and it, I don't even know that it was during a prayer session so much, but it was this one time I was thinking about all this stuff and I started to imagine a courtroom scene. Okay. Okay. And in the courtroom were like two judges stands and there were two judges. Okay. One on each side. Sure. And then next to each one was a doorway. Like, so there were two doorways, two judges, two doors. And the judges were, um, one was God, like God, God, and the other one was Mammon. Okay, you'll have to explain to the group. Right. So is it Matthew 6 where that where he talks about you cannot serve both God and money or God and Mammon? And Mammon is like the God of money, right. kind of how I understand it. So there are these two powerful authoritative beings. And what I would do in this imaginary scenario was ask a question about like what I should do about work or money or some decision and both would answer and whichever one I believed and, and they would say, go through this door, you know, to, to do it my way, whichever one I listened to and whichever door I went through was the God I was serving. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it was easy to realize. And, and the, and the answers to the questions were like, well, should I, take this risk, do this, you know, or whatever, try this thing. And, you know, Mammon was always like, well, you know, that's probably not going to work and it's risky and how are you going to pay for it? And kind of like a negative, you know, undermining type of answer. Sure. Always insufficient. Yeah. It was always, yeah, scarcity and fear, you know? And then God's answer was always like, well, if it's, yeah, I'm asking you to do this or I'm showing you this as an opportunity let's do it together and I'll take care of your needs. You got to have faith, you know, you got to trust. And it was always positive and encouraging and uplifting and it would inspire hope and joy and excitement. (laughs) Right. And it just, I think it it was definitely for me, but it was also, I think an image that I want to share with people, like put yourself in that situation and start to ask yourself who has the ultimate or what has the ultimate authority in my life? Is it faith, hope, you know, even adventure and excitement or like moving towards something that you feel passionate about? Or is it always this, well, how am I going to afford it? And that's too risky and it's all fear-based. You know, one of the things that you said there that just really struck me was when you, when God said, yeah, why don't you do it? And I will, what was the exact phrasing you said there? It was something like, I will be with you through that. You know, it's like, you can depend on me. Yeah. And that's what God always says. Right. Depend on me, not, hey, Matt, okay, good idea. Now go do it on your own. Yeah, right. And why haven't you done enough already? And why aren't you doing more? And what, you know what I mean? It's, It's never that kind of thing from him. Yeah. It's always like, I'll take care of it. Now, you know, we, it doesn't mean to recklessly just quit your job tomorrow. And you know what I mean? It's, right. it's not just like do whatever you want. 
when no, I, I have it. been very guilty of that too. Like this doesn't like in an honest pursuit of trying to find what I was really meant to do. And, you know, I thought it was going to be worthwhile and fulfilling and all that kind of stuff. I've ignored my day responsibilities that day <laughs> or not brought my best into like a job situation all the time or left something maybe a little prematurely, you know, without knowing the next step or without having vetted it through this process of prayer and seeking the Lord and all that kind of stuff, which makes a huge difference. That really is like the key difference. Yeah. And you know, when the Lord says no to something, it's no, it's not, oh, you're not sufficient or, oh, there's a lot of risk involved or mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. it's, no, it's I've got no. something else. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. you may or may not see right now. Right. I'll show it to you. It's just, no, it's not no with fear. It's like, no. Right. You don't do that. No. When it's yes, it's yes. Right. It's not, it's, there's no muddied water in it. Yeah. Now on part three of created to be wealthy, yeah. we've handled some fears. We've handled some mindsets. What are we talking about today? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, for, for those of you who are just tuning in, I'm excited about this is going to be a, a several weeks long series on finances. I guess I, resources of all types, especially money and the kingdom of God and how those two intersect. Um, yeah. So last episode, we kind of started to talk about what is wealth and then got into this. I kind of was relating a story about how money can become the determining factor in our lives and it can have its, this place of ultimate authority um, and how that's not really a great place to be. So if you haven't heard the last episode, I'd say go back and check it listen out. to those first because we're building listen. on, you know, we're building from one to the next, but um so maybe let's talk about this question of what is wealth then? What is worthwhile wealth that we can pursue? <laughs> okay. You know? If I could uh, play devil's advocate yeah, for, for a moment, yeah, yeah. I'll give you the answer that the world most often gives Okay, or most people in society. Wealth is having so much money, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, yeah. whyever you want. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right on. And in fact, you think about like, you know, network marketing companies or, you know, things that advertise like will help you even financial gurus out there. You or know, how about before YouTube videos, they have those, are you tired of not, this is yeah. my garage. Do you see my car? Yeah. The I Lamborghini can, and yeah. the yacht and the, you yeah. know, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I want to say, first of all, I don't think there's anything wrong with all that kind of stuff. Like it's okay to enjoy life and have nice things. Absolutely. And even to want them and pursue that. But if that's like the ultimate reason that we're doing something, I think the problem with it, in my opinion, is that people are going to find that it's even that stuff doesn't fulfill ultimately. No. So you're kind of chasing a ghost with that one. Right. And it, it just tends to feed like, well, I've got the car and the house and the pension and all the stuff that I thought was going to give me security and joy and peace and it. And it still hasn't. So what's missing? <laughs> so <clears throat> what is the wealth then that actually does have substance? You know, and we were talking about people who, you know, third world poor who still have joy. Yeah. So who who's wealthier, right? The person who kind of lives day to day, like scavenging or hunt or hunting or gathering food and just, you know, has that has a family maybe and just goes out, comes back in and out every day, not really thinking a lot about long-term <laughs> savings or the person who, you know, works 80 hours a week, has lots of money is, you know, has the houses and all that kind of stuff, but maybe has a lot of stress, maybe doesn't have a great, you know, relationship at home, whatever, you Could know, be on their third marriage. And, yeah. All kinds know? of things. Right. So, so between those two, I don't know, like which, which would you pick? <laughs> it's interesting that I think a lot of people would still pick B. Yeah. You know, 
I want to have a nice house and a nice car. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but I don't know. So maybe I want to ask you, like, what's, what's your thought on, on wealth? Like, how would you describe wealth that is worthwhile? Um, wealth is in worth wealth that is worthwhile is something that you can look back on and you can see that the, and I'm putting this in, in quotes here, the account is full. Hmm. Okay. It's, there's an abundance in the account and things haven't had to be, um, you haven't sacrificed relationships or morals or ethics hmm. to get that. Yeah. Um, you've, you've stayed clear. Look, it's an investment uh, for me to show up each day and work. It, I see that as an investment, but it pays dividends that last forever. And it's not just that I've earned income. It's that right. there are people's lives that are forever transformed because they can now function and move and live and think and breathe. And there, you know, all the, that is wealth to me. Ah, yeah. So there, I le- I think of it as that goes into an account mm. that has a balance that's beyond measure. Yeah. And it can't be taken away by ec- economic ruin. Right. Right. <laughs> or, you know, those kind of tangible No one can ever things. take that away from yeah. me. To me, that's wealth. So I'm not saying money isn't part of wealth. It certainly is. Mm-hmm. But it isn't the only thing. It's one of many things that go into having a wealthy life. Right. Right. And as you're saying that, it's kind of triggering me to think of you know, store up treasure in heaven, yeah. which is another term for the kingdom of God. It doesn't, I don't think it necessarily only means to defer all wealth until the future or till we die and quote unquote, go to heaven. I think it's more like what you're talking about is like build assets in these things that can't decay materially, <laughs> like a fire or a flood can't destroy them. Economic downturn can't touch them. Because they're not physical, tangible, material things. And no one can steal it from me. Yeah, it can't be taken away from you, right? Everything, literally everything could be taken. You could be locked in a dark cell naked with no food or anything, and you could still have those assets that you built, right. you know, in relationship. Um, and then I was thinking of it another way as you were talking too, like what do you ultimately put your hope and trust in? So I think anyone on the globe can consider themselves wealthy. And it's similar to what, you know, you were just talking about. If they have resources, you know, that can't be taken away, um, resources that are permanent and like relational resources. Um, but even like the no, the knowing that their physical needs will be taken care of, um, even if it's not like fancy cars and a vacation home or a nice house or whatever. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, we're told in scripture that look at the sparrow, look at the flower. They never worry about how they get their food or clothe themselves. The Lord determines that for them. And if you really do believe that, and then you're, there's this part, I think, Matt, where people can get stupid on it. Like, well, I can just Mm -hmm. sit here in the corner yeah. And do nothing. Well, yeah. God yeah. never says that. Yeah. He might for a time, but it's not like his general prescription. Right. Like I think about Elijah. Sure. And Elijah was doing it. No, and I'm not trying to like, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, refute what you're saying or anything. But what's interesting is like, it's really about whatever God is asking you to do at that time. Right. Because he told Elijah after he did all these amazing things to go out in the desert and lay by a brook and just let the ravens feed him. (laughs) Yeah. But I wouldn't say that the general teaching or principle to take from that is just to go be lazy and do nothing and expect God to just, you know, like drop food in your lap all the time. Because you're not doing anything. Yeah. That's not generally what we're meant to do. Because you don't want to. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Exactly. You could take any principle in scripture and sort of twist it or extract it and right. try to make a whole doctrine out of it. That's not really what we're supposed to do. What we're really supposed to do is is seek after him and what he has for our lives and who he's created us to be and what we need right now and let him guide us in that. And if it's a period of rest, then, then, rest. then great. I actually feel like I've been in that type of periods 
for, for quite a while since I moved to Kansas City. So I was talking about how God said that the job I got was not really why he brought me here. And once I left that, I was in a time of like not focusing on my career, on making money. I was doing things to make money. It's not like I just abandoned money. <laughs> you can't, you know, not saying that we can necessarily do that, but the place of priority and authority that it had in my life needed to be knocked down several pegs. So there was this time where it was not my focus and I was much more focused on relationships and ministry and other things. And actually now over the last few months, it's kind of become a focus again. Like God's inviting me back into pursue work, you know, and a career and that type of thing. But it's all his timing, not mine. Exactly. So, yeah. So for me, it's like, where are our priorities, you know, where they come from and where they stand. So what do you, for you, if you were to give the definition of wealth to somebody who walked into your office, let's say you had Mm -hmm. an office and you were back in the personal finance Mm. world and you told them, this is what it means to be wealthy. What would you tell them? (laughs) This is probably something I should have thought about before I came into, came into this episode, like a succinct definition. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think it'd be a combination of the things we just talked about, right? To look for things that <clears throat> are eternal, to build things that don't have a temporary or, you know, that aren't like their value isn't in anything temporary or material. It's in things that are permanent and everlasting and transcend right? Like material wealth. So relationships, um, and the, the fruit of the spirit, honestly. So like surrendering our will to God's will because he has better things for us and he knows how to to get us there better than we do ourselves. And the result of that is that we find a lot of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, et cetera, et cetera which is like the state of being that we all want to be in, right? Would you agree I think with we're, that? I'd say we're created to be in that place, yeah. but our, our conscious choice prohibits us from getting there. Well, and I think we're trying to get towards it, but we're trying to get to it through like material wealth yeah. for one thing, you know, and other ways. Um, so, so ultimately, I don't know if that's a great answer. It's not like a succinct one-liner you can put on your fridge, (laughs) you know? Um, but to, yeah, to seek first the kingdom. So in the series created to be wealthy, Mm. what is it you're trying to create? Okay, so we ended the last segment with you asking me how I would define wealth or like how to answer the question, what is wealth? And we're talking about worthwhile wealth. That's, you know, wealth that's worth pursuing. And I didn't have a great answer for it. And I think that's actually what I want to make the pursuit of this series is to like through the interviews and the discussions that we're going to have over the next few weeks to come up with a better answer for that question. That's awesome. Sound good? That's awesome. Yeah. So I definitely don't want to come into this whole thing trying to sound like I have all the answers. Okay. I have some perspective. I've got experiences, you know, both professionally and personally, um, you know, and I've put a lot of thought into this topic over the years and that type of thing. But that doesn't mean that I Absolutely. I mean, I don't even close to know everything. Everybody's got some perspective to offer. And while I have beliefs that have been formed, they're continuing to evolve as well. Right. And I want to always be open-minded to learning new things and having my perspective shifted. You know, something can replace, (laughs) replace it for the better. So let's, let's make it the pursuit of, you know, of this series to find better answers to that question. Gotcha. That's, that's excellent. Yeah. Um, Okay. Any other thoughts on that? Yes, just okay, one. Go for it. I'm going to ask all our listeners, mm. um, as we're talking about this idea, to really integrate what Matt's talking about and the guests that he has on and everything that happens, and try and make that 
really challenge where you're coming from on this idea of wealth. Mm. Because you have each every person bit, themselves. Yeah, each yeah, person right. themselves. Yeah. And then as a group, I'm willing to bet we're going to, a lot of us, we're going to end up at the same place. And as we yeah. get towards this, it'd be great for people to make comments on our forum on yeah. Facebook yeah. and be able to share what they've re- discovered and revealed as they go through this. Yeah. We're starting to get a lot more engagement on our Facebook posts yes, and we those are. videos. And, um, I know pe- people might have been expecting, actually, you know, because we asked the question about what would you ask a theological expert? Yes. And that is coming. Don't yes. worry, we're not. Like, for those of you who gave us questions on that topic, we're excited to to mm-hmm. dig into that. That's going to be more like February, March-ish. Yep. This is January for, it's not a radio show, it's a podcast. But yeah, this is beginning of 2020 right now. Um. Anyway, so we'll be coming to those as well. But we love the engagement, and I think that this whole financial series hopefully it will spark some great conversation, discussion, debate, whatever. Absolutely. All of the above, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we can, yeah, we can hopefully arrive at some, some conclusions or, you know, some ways of looking at things. Um, speaking of ways of looking at things. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I've always been a little bit counter culture or, you know, well, like, you're from Oregon. Yeah, right. <laughs> what is that? Um, you know, just, but when it comes to financial thinking, I've kind of always had a problem with conventional wisdom, at least ever since I've started thinking about these things. I just think that uh, a lot of our current, if you, if you surveyed, you know, Americans and said, just what are, you know, what's good financial practices and what types of things should you do? my experience with this and just what I, you know, what you hear around out there and what I surmise people would say are a lot of answers that are based in fear and scarcity. Okay. Um, and I've always been one to want to promote taking the right kind of risk and being open to looking at things differently than what was handed down to us or what's, circling around out there okay if that if that makes sense there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of different ways that plays out but you know for for example um, one of the really fundamental books that I read that shaped my thinking was Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki and I read this right as I was coming out of college right around 2000 so basically 20 years ago and he just compared and contrasted like two pretty pervasive mindsets. One being that of like, go to school, get a good job, you know, work for a company and, and pay off your house and save for retirement. And, and not like that's a bad thing or anything like that, but then there's the, the mindset of go out and create something for yourself, right? Own assets, own businesses, um, and build things that you actually have some control over. Um, and that, that work for you instead of you working for it all the time. And he just goes way into the benefits of each and the downfalls of each, right? And why ultimately he chose the latter because he saw more benefit there than the other way, right? Um, and so, I don't know, that shaped my thinking a lot. I don't know if people have read that book, but I still highly recommend it even 20 years later because it just kind of opens up the conversation. Like one of the things he talks about in there is how the the first mindset a lot of times will say something like, well, I just can't afford that, whatever it is, right? And the second mindset, the, the wealth building mindset is not, well, I sh- I'm just going to go buy it. And they may not be able to technically afford it, but it, that mindset leads to the question, how can I afford it? And instead of a period at the end of the sentence, it's a question mark. So it's not, I can't afford it, period. It's how can I afford it, question mark. And it opens up our creative mind. So it's not so much about like, am I going to get really wealthy or rich or whatever? It's more like, how am I operating day to day? Am I operating with a mindset of openness and creativity and learning? you know, and wanting to try new things? Or am I operating with a sense of finality and like, this is just the way it is. And does that make sense? Yeah. The inquisitive nature of being, you know, finding life in the, uh, 
in discovery. Right. Exactly. Um, and I think that, you know, both can coexist like he nor I, nor anybody who's, you know, giving good advice would recommend just going out and cutting off your primary source of income, like quitting your job just to start a business, you know, like on a flyer or whatever, like just taking a leap blindly without doing preparation and understanding. But it, but he says, for example, in that book, like mind your own business. So do what you need to do to earn income, but at the same time, spend some energy and effort building things that you actually own and learning new things, right. That, that you can put, that you can put to use. So I don't know, that's just an example of, you know, the mindset, um, that we take into this whole endeavor of, you know, figuring out wealth and, and money and how we manage it, how we deal with it. Um, and okay. So as I was looking through scripture, this project that I had done a little side project over the last few months was whenever I came across scripture that addressed money or wealth or resources or work or business or kind of anything along those lines, I was trying to catalog it. Okay. Okay. So I came up with this big list of places where Jesus or just the Bible talks about money, provision, all that kind of stuff. And the one that I was thinking about that relates to this, what we were just talking about is in Matthew, uh, Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, it's the parable of the bags of gold. It's called here. Um, so it's the one where Jesus is telling the story of a man goes on a journey, calls his servants in and entrusts his wealth to them. Right. And to one, he gives five bags of gold to one. He gives three, two and to another, he gives one bag each according to their ability. And then he goes away. The one who has five puts it to work and makes five more. The one who has two puts it to work and gains two more. Right. And the one who received one digs a hole in the ground and buries it. Right. Right. So the point of this whole parable is to use the talents and the resources that God has given us. But <laughs> one time when I was reading it and thinking about it, a different thing stuck out to me or a different idea stuck out to me. Okay. And it's not really, I don't know. It's just where my mind went with sure, it. Sure. Okay? Let's hear it. Yeah. So it was this, it was that the servant with the five bags invested it. Number one, he invested a hundred percent of it. He didn't invest 10%. He didn't play it safe. He didn't, right. He didn't like put 5% in his 401k. And you know what I mean? Like he went all in on it and he got a hundred percent return on his investment. If, and it's, if it took a year for the master to come back, by the way, we calculate rates of return sure. yearly basis, right? So if you say somebody got a hundred percent of return, you're talking about a year in a year. He took his five bags and got five more. Now, if it only took a month, we don't know because the story doesn't tell us. If, if that took a month for the master to come back, then he actually got 1,200% return on his investment because he got 100% of it back in one month times 12. That's 1,200%. So what stuck out, stuck out to me is that, like you said, he didn't play it safe. He took his personal, like his identity and his experience and his understanding of whatever it was that he did with that money and put it to work. And I think the idea that Jesus is talking about is when you do that with whatever resources he's given you in the kingdom with kingdom pursuits, you're going to have this huge return, right? And I'm not talking just about material wealth either. I'm just talking about like whatever it is we invest into time, energy, money, it's going to create this big return. So I don't know what, what you think about that. Like, what's your initial reaction to that? No, I think that's absolutely there. I mean, it's, it's replete with it. Um, I know this, and I'll just, again, I can only speak from my own life. Um, when I pour into my patients and serve them the best I can and expect mm -hmm. more, of, more healing for them than they tend to expect for themselves, mm -hmm. well, they refer people. You see it, yeah. Yeah. Right. And I don't do that to get the referral. Right. You know, right. that's not the point. The point is yeah. to invest more in that person. And then the byproduct of it is, you know, a wealth for their own health, if you will. 
and right. a wealth for me right. that I didn't expect before. Yeah. Yeah, the result has its, it's like, it is its own reward. Yeah. You know what happens for them and you get right. to be a part of it, you know? It's like, yeah, I'm sure it's very fulfilling for you and brings you a lot of joy. Yeah, it obviously brings them, yeah, you know, <laughs> it obviously brings them a lot of joy. And then if they're referring people, that's just evidence that they, you know, oh, how they feel about you and right. all that kind of stuff. Um, and it, it builds upon itself, right? Sure. Like wealth creates wealth. Um, conversely, the servant who had the one bag and hid it, he was the one who got sternly rebuked by the master, <laughs> by the master yeah. upon his return. Right. He said, at least you could have deposited it in the bank with interest, you know, instead of just hidden it under the mattress, you know, buried it in the ground. Um, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they do have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Dun, dun, I know. Dun. Well, so, you know, when it comes to like the punishment or the consequences, I feel like in this case and in most cases, again, just like your investment has its own reward of producing joy and you know health. I think that our negative actions based out of fear have their own punishment. It's built in. It's not like God is like adding punishment to us. No, but it's we, just a natural byproduct right. of that system. Yeah. Yep. We live in fear and we sow, you know, fear. We will have <laughs> and weeping scarcity. and of teeth. Yeah. It results and in. And I've been there. Yep. Yeah. In my life. Yeah. I mean, I know that feeling. I may not have ta- put on a sackcloth and, you know, poured ashes over my head in that sense. But right. I, in my own way, not, you yeah. know, I uh, there's a saying, once you lick the lollipop of mediocrity, <laughs> you suck it forever. <laughs> and It's profound. It is. Yeah. And it's, it's that mindset of fear uh, creates this entropy around it and it holds itself in place. Yeah. And in order to break free from that, it takes something much different than it much different than its own energy that it's developed. Yeah. yeah. Um, hmm. It takes an immersion, a, a, a removal from that. And when it comes to wealth, you have to remove yourself from the mindset of failure and defeat and lack of scarcity and everything. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And this is not a prosperity gospel, to put that term in no, quotes. No, right, right. It's not, you know, if you just believe, you will achieve. It's not that. Right. But it's like where you where you're starting from. Yes, it's, is your starting point one of faith, hope, and belief, and you know, and this idea that things are possible, and you're going to move forward, you know, um, with you know thoughtfully, and <laughs> you know carefully to some extent, but not recklessly, right? Right. But it's just it's so much different than the belief that things are never going to work out or our experiences told us that they aren't, you know, and, and our experiences do sometimes tell us that like we fail at things, but it's all, it's all about perspective, right? I think that's ultimately what it comes down to for me as we go into this series, what I want to like really learn from the people we're interviewing and what I want you, our audience to be thinking about is what is your fundamental mindset and view on money and wealth and, you know, and how it affects your life and how it affects decisions that we make, right? And like, what's the perspective? Let's try to get to the best perspective possible and then go from there. Yeah, and to that point, this kind of goes to what we said earlier in the show, is wouldn't it be a great idea for people to right now sit down and write about their current attitude, mindset, ideas of what wealth is and what money is? Yeah. And then as we go through this, review it right see how it you know see if a metamorphosis occurs and you emerge as something much different than you started with yeah that would be awesome yep yeah yep cool well thanks everybody and thank you matt so much for bringing this topic i look forward to seeing where my ideas and my mindset change as we go through Mm -hmm. it don't forget check us out on the renegadeatlas.com and facebook renegade atlas you can always email us your questions guide at the renegade and please share 
this on Facebook and many other social media platforms. <laughs> Do not mail it because it is not available in that format. And we take you take care, everybody. We are loved and appreciated. <laughs> <laughs>